We're on a sermon series called How to Make a Disciple. Um, the premise of this sermon series is that in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us the making of a disciple, how to be made into a disciple and how to make a disciple. He says there are three steps. Last week we talked about step one. This week we're on step two. I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I'll show you where the steps are in this passage. Uh, let's listen carefully to God's word to us this morning. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but there were some who doubted. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, number one, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Number two, which we're on today, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And number three, remember, I am with you always until the very end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray for the one who preaches, for his sins are many. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, may something of what I say and do, or at least something of what is seen and heard of me this morning, may it not be of me, may it not be of you, may it not be, may it be only of you, may it be of you and your goodness of your promises and the things that you have done for us and the things that you'd have us do for you in our lives and in this your world. In your holy name we ask this. Amen. Once upon a time, when I had a lot more time in life, I used to teach guitar lessons. Uh, this was never a regular gig for me. It's not really anything I ever made money on, but uh, it was something I did on the side, and I did it because I love the guitar. I've loved the guitar ever since I was a sixth grader and first picked up a guitar wanting to be a rock star, to get that punk rock streak, that rebellious teenage punk rock streak I've had. And I, ever since then, I've enjoyed watching other young people get in touch with their own little punk rock streak by holding a guitar in their hands and learning to play. So all in all, over the course of about 20 years, I've taught about eight or nine kids how to play the guitar. Now, if you have ever watched a young child pick up an instrument for the first time, you know it can be quite something. Kids are creative. And so if you give them an instrument, they will often find a way to play it on their own. They'll bang on the keys of a piano. They'll march around the house blowing in and out on a harmonica. It's pretty cute until you have to put up with it constantly. But in their God-given imaginations, what these young people are doing when you place an instrument in their hand and they find a way to play it is they're making, in their minds, in their imaginations, beautiful and stirring music. Of course, to all of us, though, it's just noise. Sometimes annoying noise. But it's still cute because you can see that there's a spark of something wonderful that's going on there. But that spark hasn't yet caught on and turned into a flame. 
So this one time I was teaching guitar lessons years ago to this one wannabe rock star who was quite young. He was six years old. He had just gotten his first guitar for Christmas. And so we sat down in early January. He'd had a couple of weeks with his guitar. Sat down for his first lesson, and I asked him if he was excited to learn how to play the guitar. And he told me, yes, yes, he was, but he already knew how to play the guitar. I said, you do? And he said, yes, I even wrote a song. I said, you did? How about that? Can I, can I hear the song? He said, sure. So he picked up his guitar, and he held it like this. And he strummed it like this. I said, okay. That's quite a song. I said, what if we tried this, though? What if you held the guitar this way? And what if instead of using your thumb, we tried to use your fingers like this? He said, yeah, but like, I like to hold it this way. That's how I play it. I said, okay, but let's try it this way. And let's, instead of using your thumb, like, let's pull your hand around this way. He said, ooh, ouch, I don't like that. That hurts. I don't want to play it that way. I like this kid already. The punk rock streak in him was strong. <laughs> it didn't matter how gentle I was with him. It didn't matter how insistent I was. It didn't matter how, what I showed him. He was determined to play the guitar his own way. And in many ways, this was kind of adorable, right? In other ways, I admired this kid. He was poised to stick it to the man. Even if the man in this case was me. But he wasn't making music. He didn't know how to make music yet. Today we're on step two of how you make a disciple. Jesus tells us in step two of the making of a disciple is teach a disciple to obey everything he has commanded. Last week it was baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is teach. Teach them to obey everything that he has commanded. Step two of the making of a disciple is teaching. It's learning. To make a disciple, you have to teach them the things that Jesus taught. And conversely, if you're going to be made into a disciple, you have to learn. You have to be taught the things that Jesus taught. This, I don't think, is very hard for us to understand. To be a disciple of Jesus is to try to live a life that's defined by the promises of God. And to define yourself by the promises of God, you have to know something about them. You have to learn something about them. You have to be taught something about them. You have to have some understanding of them. But the thing is, when it comes to something as powerful and as transcendent and as mysterious as the promises of God, every single one of us is a lifelong learner. God is not a subject that you ever fully grasp and understand. Church is not a class that you ever test out of. This is not a discipline that anyone ever fully masters. One of my favorite writers, Eugene Peterson, says, um, in the company of Jesus, there is no such thing as an expert. 
You can spend your entire life constantly studying the scriptures, praying every day, hitting the streets with the deepest kindness and compassion and a fire to serve the broken and the hurting. And there will still be something that you get wrong. There'll be some places where your judgment is a little bit off. There'll be some question on which you could go a little bit deeper because we're only human. The moment that you think you've got the promises of God figured out is the moment you're no longer talking about the promises of God, but of only a shadow of God's promises for you. So we've always got more to learn. There's always another lesson that we need to be taught. And because God gives us one another to make disciples out of each other, when you step inside a church, you have to come ready to be taught and ready to teach each other. That part, I think, is pretty obvious. But the word teach is not the only operative word in this step. Jesus says, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. There's another key word there. I'm sure you heard it. The word was obey. Jesus could have just said, teach them everything I've commanded. That would have worked perfectly fine, but that's not what he says. He says, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. And I'm going to be honest, because i got a punk rock streak in me. The word obey gives me some pause. Maybe it does for you too. Throughout history, the word obey has been used to place limits on people's freedom. Often this is an entirely necessary thing, right? In a free society, uh, we say a free society only works as long as our freedom doesn't begin to tread on the freedom and well-being of another person, right? So there are limits to our freedom that we have to have in order for our freedom to work. It's important, for example, to obey a stoplight at an intersection. When the stoplight is red, you need to stop. When the stoplight is green, you need to go. The reason you need to obey the, the stoplight is because if you don't obey them, you're going to cause an accident. You're going to cause a traffic jam. You're going to hurt someone. You might even hurt yourself. Obedience to the rules, to the law, to decorum helps us keep order by limiting our freedoms away from potentially destructive choices and behaviors. But on the other hand, the word obey has also been used to limit our freedoms in ways that can often be destructive and oppressive. The slave must obey the master. The wife must obey the husband. The subject must obey the king. The comrade must obey the government and the dictator. This kind of obedience is about more than just order. This kind of obedience often comes with a threat. The first time comes with a little bit of a threat too, but this one comes with a deeper threat. This version of obedience is about maintaining power. It's about forcing compliance. It's about abuse. And this is where the punk rock in me 
wants to stick it to the man who tells me I have to obey. Because we modern American people, we place a high free premium on the idea of freedom. We believe that in order for our lives to be lived to the fullest, a life has to be given the freedom to choose what it wants to be for itself. We hold authenticity as the highest ideal. There is no master. There is no king. There is no politician. And there is certainly no preacher who gets to tell you what to do. The only person who gets to decide who you are, who you are supposed to be, and what you are going to do with yourself is you. No one gets to wag a finger at you and say, obey. Even Jesus? Jesus doesn't strike me as the kind of person to wag his finger at you and tell you to obey. If anything, Jesus had a bit of a punk rock streak in him. As a matter of fact, it, it got him killed by the kind of people who didn't like what they saw as his disobedience. So why does Jesus drop this word into step two? Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. Well, I want to suggest that there's actually a, a third kind of obedience. And that's not the kind that is used to maintain power and control over others, or the kind even that is used to maintain order over all of us so that we can get along and don't hurt each other. The kind of obedience that Jesus calls for is something else entirely, something a lot deeper. In fact, it's not even a kind of obedience that limits your freedom at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It is a kind of obedience that if you understand it, sets you free in a way that you could never have been free before. If you want to make beautiful music, you can't just pick up an instrument and start making noise. First, you have to learn how to hold the instrument. Then you have to practice your technique. Then you have to learn the chords. And then you have to learn your scales. And then when you learn how all of these things work and fit together and you learn the rhythms and the scales and the keys and the chords, then, only then, do you now have the freedom to be able to create and make beautiful, inspiring music. Something that sounds like a song. Something like a symphony. It's not freedom to pick up a guitar and do whatever you want with it. The real freedom comes from picking up the guitar and knowing what you can do with it. Understand this then, when Jesus tells us to obey, he's not limiting our freedom. In fact, it's the exact opposite. The commands and the teachings that Jesus gives us shows us how to pick up our lives and do something with them. He gives us something to do with ourselves. He shows us what we can do with ourselves. 
And when we try to live and define ourselves according to the promises of God, what that does is it takes that true spark that is within you and it starts to fan it like a flame until it burns with an unparalleled passion. The modern sensibility that we all live with gets this right. No one can decide who you are. No one can decide what you're supposed to do with yourself except for you. That we get right. But the part that we often risk missing is that it is, if it's entirely up to you and you go it alone to try to decide who you are and what to do with yourself, then it is not at all clear where you're even supposed to start in life. And more often than not, we end up just making noise, adding to more and more noise. But Jesus comes to give us something better. Out of grace and mercy, Jesus comes and gives us something better. Jesus comes and teaches us how to make beautiful music out of our lives. He teaches us the scales. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. He shows us the cords. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He hones your technique. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He even gives you the key. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's only when you learn these elements of the song we call life and you learn to obey them that you actually find this deeper kind of freedom to make something beautiful. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask it. Amen.